And um, we've been talking about um, the old life versus the new life. And last week, Todd and Lisa shared with us how that new life found in Jesus affects our relationships, our marriages, and also how we parent. And today we're going to be talking about work, how that new life we have in Jesus affects the way we work. Now, when it comes to work, there's only one song that comes to my mind, and maybe it's the same song that comes to your mind as well. Let's, let's see. Now you wash the dishes, you tidy up the room, you clean the fireplace, and I'll use the broom. <laughs> That's a catchy song. That's a song that we have heard our lives. We say it all the time to our kids. I watch that in nostalgia. That brings me back to my childhood, but also with envy of having animals do your work for you, right? I'm like, man, I really wish I had that every night when I do the dishes. So it is something that that song is catchy. It's a phrase. You're probably going to be singing it as you leave here today. But there's one phrase in that song that really stands out to me. And you probably didn't understand it because uh, she was kind of hard to understand in that song. But she says this in the midst of that song. She says, imagine that the broom is someone that you love and soon you'll find you're dancing to the tune. So what Snow White is showing us here is she's showing us the secret of how we can enjoy our work by imagining that our work is someone else that we enjoy or we want to be with in life. She's showing us that if we imagine our work as someone different, that our attitudes, our actions, and our entire demeanor will change. Who we are will change. You see, I love this phrase because it brings to mind what we see in the book of Colossians today when it comes to work. And we're going to be looking at that, but rather than saying, let's whistle why we work, today I just want to focus on the idea, what if we all went to work tomorrow and we worshiped while we work? What if we all walked into our jobs, whatever it may be, whether you're retired, stay-at-home mom, teacher, business professional, whatever it is, what if we embraced our role and we went into that job tomorrow, the next day, today, whatever it may be, and we worshiped while we work? And so to get on the same page, we have to talk about what the idea of worship is. What do we mean by that word worship? Well, we're going to work with Warren Wiersbe's definition of what worship is today, so we're all on the same page. He says this. He says, worship is the believer's response. So someone who has a new life in Christ, someone who has embraced Jesus as their Savior, and they have this new grip on life, worship is this believer's response of all that they are to what God is, says, 
and does. So in other words, worship is anything we do, our response to what God is and what he says and what he does. And so when we're in the workplace or when we live our lives and we're kind to someone, that's a response because God has been kind to us. Or when we show mercy to someone, that's a response for what God has done for us. He's been merciful for us. And you could go on with what God has done and who he is. And so the question today is, how are we going to do this at work? How are we going to worship while we work? Well, we can understand it a little better if we look at it in this way. What we need to understand today is that it matters to God where we work, how we work, and why we work. And so we're just going to sum up this entire message today with this idea. It matters to God where we work, how we work, and why we work. And so let's just jump into Colossians 3. We're going to be starting in verse 22, and we're just going to look right to the end of the chapter. And so it starts off showing us that it matters to God where we work because it's where God has us right now. He begins, he begins chapter 3 with this statement. He says, Slaves, obey your earthly matters in everything you do. Now at this point, you're like, wait a minute. Slaves? What does he mean by slaves? Well, slaves back in this time is a different phrase or a different idea than what we know as slavery in our day today. And so I love what the commentary says. It says this. It says, slaves in their culture at this time, slaves were found in all professions and generally had more opportunity for social advancement than free peasants. Unlike the vast majority of slaves in the United States and the Caribbean, they were able to work for and achieve freedom, and some freed slaves became independently wealthy. This social mobility applied especially to the household slaves, the only kind of slave addressed in Paul's writings. So he's writing to these household slaves. He says, economically, socially, and with regard to freedom to determine their future, these slaves were better off than most free persons in the Roman Empire. And so he's, he's coming at it. And remember, Paul in Colossians 3 is talking about this old life versus new life. And then he shifts and starts talking about the household as a whole. He talks to husbands. He talks to wives. He talks to children. And then the last aspect of each household would have been the slaves. We read that there, that the household slaves. And so Paul starts addressing every aspect of this household. But he's also talking about people who work. He's talking about people who are trying to put a roof over their head, trying to put clothes on their back and food on the table. Being a slave in this culture meant that you are providing for your family. That sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? That sounds familiar to our lives today as well. And so Paul's addressing people who are just trying to do what's right for their families. And so what he wants them to understand, he says, slaves, obey your earthly masters. He says, listen, it matters to God right where you are. Notice how he doesn't say, hey, slaves, find your calling which is something we hear often in our lives. Uh, notice how he doesn't say, just do what fulfills you. 
Notice how he doesn't say, jump from job to job until everyone treats you perfectly and you get paid exactly what you want, when you want, and you get all the vacation time possible and sick time and you get a car and a parking spot, right? Notice how he doesn't say any of those things. He says, listen, we have this new life in Christ. He says, it's simple. In your role at work and what you do, simply obey your boss. Obey the person that's in leadership over you. And I'll take time right now to say this. If you're the, in leadership, if you're the one above them, your employees, this does not negate you as well. Okay, These same aspects apply to you today. You see, what he's saying here, he's saying obey your masters. Why? Because God has you right where he wants you. Whether you love your job, whether you like it, whether you hate it, obeying your boss, obeying the leadership matters. You see, it's no shocker that Paul wants to say this to the slaves. Because Paul's not, he's not a stranger to work. If you know what Paul did in scripture, we read that he was a a tent maker. So he knew exactly what it was to work a long hard day. But at the same time, Paul knew who God was. And in Acts chapter 17, 28, Paul is talking to people who don't know who God is, and they have no clue who Jesus is. And he says a very pretty blunt statement, but it's really important for us to understand this morning. He's talking to these people who have no clue who God is, and he says this phrase, and he's quoting some of their poets, and he says, for in him, in God, we live and we move and we exist. What he's saying is that right where they are in life is all because this is where God absolutely wanted them. Paul wanted them, those people, to understand. He wants us to understand today that right where you are, that God has control of your life, your movement, your existence. We don't serve or have a God that's just out there. He doesn't just kind of place us in and say, uh, figure it out on your own. He controls where we are, our movements, and our existence, which means when we embrace this fact that God has us right where we are in our jobs and in our work, that we have significant purpose. We have significant purpose because God wants us to reflect him in all we do. He wants us to be his ambassador, he calls it, and in our area of life, he wants us to represent him in such a way that's going to bring glory to him and it's going to help others. Listen, when we respond with humility and we embrace where we work, it's worship. And I know it's hard. I know all of us have had a job in here that you're like, really, I have to go back today? And then the next day you're like, oh, I really don't want to go back today. And then the next day it's even worse and it's worse and it's worse. So maybe, just maybe today you're in that boat. Or maybe you're on the other end of the spectrum. You're like, I love my job. I absolutely love what I do. Or maybe you're retired and you're like, I don't have a job. Yes, you do. 
No matter where you are, this is right where God has you. And let me tell you, if you embrace that, if you embrace this idea that this is exactly where God has you right now, it might not be forever. It might not be for even a long time. It might just be right now. When you embrace that, all of a sudden that purpose starts to sink in in our hearts and our lives. And we start to see what God's trying to do, how he's trying to use us right where we are. And so we need to embrace that. When we respond with humility to where we are when we work, that's worship. We're responding in such a way that causes God to be happy, that is worshipful in our lives. And so where we work absolutely matters to God. The next thing we need to understand is that it matters to God how we work because it should please him and those we are working for. It should please him and those we are working for. He goes on in verse 22 in chapter 3, and he says this. He says, slaves or, or, or workers, obey your earthly masters in all you do. And then it goes on, try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you, but serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. So we see in this one verse three different aspects of how we should be working at our jobs, some, some of our actions at our work. And so first, we see that we need to work with integrity. Work with integrity. We'll go back here. That's this first aspect. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. That's integrity, isn't it? That's literally the idea of integrity to uh, not only do what's best when someone's watching, but also to do what's best when someone's not watching. Um, so I have three kids, as many of you know. My six-year-old is in this state where she is battling with integrity. And we went trick-or-treating like nine times in Port Clinton this year. And so that's a little overboard, but, I'll, but we have mounds of candy, okay, mounds of candy. And so at this point, every minute it seems like, I'm hearing the same question every day. Can I have candy? No, you can't have candy, right? But then all of a sudden they wear me down, they wear me down, their cuteness, and I'm like, all right, all right, whatever. You can have one piece. Now, and I love it, it's kind of, it's kind of fun just to kind of watch them because it's just in a massive bowl, like this big, and it's on our counter. It's not that big, but it's on our counter, and our kids go over there, and I love just watching them because I said one piece. And so my four-year-old, she's pretty good. She takes one piece and runs off. My, my three-year-old, he, he can't figure it out, so I have to help him. But my six-year-old, she battles. She goes to the bowl. She looks in it. She knows what I said. One piece. So she takes one piece, but then she just stares. Because she's thinking in her mind, Dad's not watching me. I can take more candy at this point. And so you know what I see her do? She takes a whole handful, shoves it in her pocket, and she runs. I'm not kidding you. Okay? And then there's wrappers all over the basement. She lacks integrity, okay? I said one piece, and no one was watching, so she takes more. And so I have to address that with her and talk to her about it. But when it comes to our lives, a lot of times in our jobs, we're six-year-olds. 
We're in those moments where we're at our job. We know what's right. We know what our boss wants us to do. We know what God wants us to do. And every day, many times a day, we're faced with this choice. Do I have integrity? Do I show integrity? Or do I not? I know what's right. I know what I need to do. But, but yet, I could do the opposite. I could do this. God wants us to work with integrity. I love what John Piper says. He says, be absolutely, when it comes to work and when it comes to integrity, be absolutely meticulously honest and trustworthy on the job. Be on time, give a full day's work. And then he says this, which is so true. More people rob their employers by being slackers than by stealing the petty cash. So it's not only physical integrity of what do I take this money or not, but it's also I'm here on their time. I'm here to work for them. And so we have to show this integrity in our lives. He wants us to be people of integrity. It matters to God because we represent him. We represent him. I worked at camps. When I was in college, I worked at Christian camps. And one of the camps I worked at, they were awesome about this idea that we represent the camp. So whenever we were on camp and we were off camp, the, the, the executive director always just, when we were leaving, always said, hey, don't forget that you're representing us. And so we'd leave, and there'd be opportunities to do whatever we would want in college, but yet we were representing the camp, so we wanted to make sure that we kept that integrity. And it's almost as if God says that every day we walk out the door. As you're heading to your jobs, as you're heading to whatever you do, God's saying, hey, don't forget, you represent me. God wants us to represent him with integrity. He wants us to work with integrity. And when we respond with integrity in our jobs, it's worship. You are literally responding to what God says, which means you are worshiping God in that moment. Not only do we have to have integrity, but we also should work with sincerity. Sincerity, this is not a word that we use a lot, but sincerity has this idea of deceit or hypocrisy. And we all know what hypocrisy is or a hypocrite A hypocrite is someone who says one thing but does the opposite. So to work with sincerity means to do what you say. To do what you say. So if you say you're going to do one thing, then you better follow through and do it. That's what it means to work with sincerity. And so Paul tells us this, we go on to see this, he says, serve them sincerely or with sincerity, but why? Because of your reverent fear of the Lord. I absolutely love this statement because you know what Paul's doing? He's kind of taking this physical, everyday life, slaves, obey your earthly masters, all this stuff, but now he's getting right into the point right here. He's saying, you want to know why you work with integrity? You want to know why you work with sincerity? It's all because of how you view God. And so Paul goes from a physical to a spiritual realm in this point. And what we can take from this is that our physical lives are absolutely connected to our spiritual lives, even when it comes to the way we work. We need to do what we say while we work because of what God is, because of what he says, and because of what he does. 
The way we serve our earthly masters should be the same way that we serve God. And here's why. I absolutely love this passage in Joshua 24. Before I read this verse, though, I'm going to give you a little context of what's going on. In Joshua chapter 24, God is renewing his covenant with Israel, which is his people, okay? And he's talking to his people. He's talking to Joshua, and Joshua's going to go talk to all of Israel. And God wants to renew the amazing covenant he has with his people, And so what Joshua does with Israel is that he goes and he recaps everything God has done for Israel in their entire history. And that's verses 1 through 13. And so Joshua's talking to Israel, and he's saying, listen, remember when God did this? Remember when God did this? Remember when he did this for you? Remember when he worked? And then he gets to this point and he says, because of who God is, because of what he has done for you, and because of what he says, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Do you guys see the correlation of sincerity and fear of the Lord? So not only in our work lives, not only in our physical lives, but also in our spiritual lives, we have to have this sincerity in our faith, all because of who God is, what he says, and what he has done for us. And so we see in this passage that Paul is saying to the Colossians, when we jump back to Colossians 3, When we serve our bosses, when we serve our employers, it needs to be in sincerity because of who God is, what he says, and what he has done. This means that the way we serve God, the way we serve others, is a direct reflection of our spiritual condition. I want to say this too. I want to be pretty blunt here. If you lack sincerity in the workplace, then most likely you lack sincerity in your faith with God. The same thing could be said with integrity as well. Because integrity and sincerity are responses to who God is. It's a direct connection to our spiritual conditions. And so if you're lacking integrity, if you're lacking sincerity, then most likely you're lacking those in your faith with God as well. Because those are two aspects of our lives in which we can respond to God with. Because we have integrity because of who God is, and we have sincerity because of who God is. And when we do those things, that is worship. And so not only do we have to have integrity and sincerity, but we also should work willingly. And Spencer kind of already talked about this verse a little bit today. He said, work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. This brings us back to what Snow White was saying, right? This idea of imagining that the broom is someone that you love and soon you'll, be fine, you'll find yourself dancing to the tune. And so what Paul is saying here is saying whatever you do, wherever you work, whatever you're up to in your life, no matter whether you're a stay-at-home mom, carpenter, teacher, business professional, Sanitary, sanitary engineer, that's what I was in high school. 
We need to work willingly. That idea of working willingly talks about freely with enthusiasm. Some of you are very enthusiastic people. I see you often, and I love it. Others of you are not, and that's okay. But when it comes to work, we need to have this idea of working freely with enthusiasm because no matter what we're doing, it's as if we're working for the Lord rather than people. And like I said before, Paul was no stranger to work. Paul was a missionary. After he came to know Jesus, he had this new life in Christ. He had a whole new grip on life. He went and he was a missionary all around, uh, all around his area. He went on three missionary journeys. And Paul, a lot of the times, sometimes he'd get to a place and those people at the church would support him. But other times, like the Corinthian church, he would say, no, you don't have to support me. I'm going to go ahead and work. And so he was a tent maker, and he would make tents, and he would work. He would provide for himself. He would do what he needed to do. Or in other words, even though he could have let them support him, he worked willingly. He worked willingly all so that people could worship and glorify God. Because he knew that what he was doing, yeah, he was making tents. He knew he was also making eternal homes as well. He knew that he was working for someone higher than who he was working for in his life. Wherever you are, we are called to work willingly. And here's why. Here's why. And please don't miss this point. We are called to work willingly. Remember, the way we work is directly connected to our spiritual condition. We work willingly because Jesus worked willingly for you. That's the direct connection to our willingness of doing whatever God has, where we have us, and how, we, we, how, how we're supposed to work. We work willingly because Jesus has worked willingly for us. Jesus willingly took on a human body for you and for me. Philippians 2 tells us, Jesus willingly went to the cross for you and for me. Jesus willingly gave up his last breath for you and for me. Jesus willingly walked out in victory, probably wanting to walk out in victory, three days later for you and for me. Do you see what I'm saying? A lot of people think that, oh, Jesus had to do this. Jesus had to do this. He had to go to the cross. He had to pay for our sins. No, he didn't have to. He didn't have to at all, actually. He wanted to. He worked willingly. He worked our, for our salvation willingly for you and for me. He did it out of love. He did it out of care, of hope, mercy, grace. He wanted us to have a relationship with God, and so he worked willingly here on earth. It should be the same for us in our lives. No matter where we're at, we should be working willingly so that other people can have a relationship with God. Because how you work directly affects your spiritual condition. It directly reflects where you're at in your walk with Jesus. You see, we're all at different points in our walks. We're all at different areas. That's why we're all about next steps and moving one step closer to God and others through Christ. And so when it comes to our work, 
It's very important to understand that we need to work with integrity, sincerity, and we need to work willingly. And so if there's nothing else you do this week, pick one of those three and try to enact it at your job. I guarantee it will change the course of your week. So not only does it matter where we work to God, not only does it matter how we work, but the last thing is it matters to God why we work because it provides both an earthly and eternal reward. Verse 24, remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. So if you truly think about this verse, he's talking to these workers and he's, he's saying, hey, listen, where you are, that's right where God has you. Here's how you work, integrity, sincerity, willingness. But then he also comes here and he says, and if you really don't like your job, there's something better to put your hope in. Or in other words, he's saying, listen, your job is not the most important thing in your life. God is. Your relationship with God is more important than your job. Your job is a reflection of that. And, and we're going to talk about this in, in, right now, actually. So we need to remember the Lord. And so if you ask anybody, if you ask anybody why they work, why do you go to work every day, why do you do these things, it usually boils down to, at a fundamental level, I have to make money to provide for our families, which is absolutely what God wants us to do. We have an obligation to work for an earthly reward, don't we? Right? Like, I have a family. To be a responsible parent, a, a, a husband, a father, I need to make sure that I am doing what I can do to provide for my family. It's the same thing for you in your life, whether you have a family or not. God wants us to take care of our families. He wants us to, to work for earthly rewards. He really does. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians 3, Paul is, gets super harsh with these dudes there because they stopped working. They literally came to know Jesus. They thought Jesus was going to come back, so they said, well, it doesn't matter if I work. I'm just going to pawn off of everybody else. Then Paul says, listen, idleness is not good. And he goes on to say, go, go back and work with your hands. Go back to work. That's the responsible thing to do. And so God wants us to do those things. He wants us to re be responsible believers and meet our needs. But our earthly reward should not be the only motivation while we work. We must not forget about our eternal reward. And that's what Paul is saying here. That word remember is so important here. So here's where you work, here's how you work, but don't forget. Don't forget that your earthly reward is not the most important thing that you're working for. You are working for an eternal reward. Now, a lot of you will say, wait a minute, I don't, I, we can't work for our salvation. No, we can't. But God does want us to worship him because of our salvation. So when we come to know Jesus and we put our, our faith in Jesus, 
All of a sudden, our motivation in life isn't about us anymore. It's not about the money we make anymore. It's not about our gratification. All of a sudden, when we have this new grip on life, our motivation is all for the worship and glory of God. We want to honor God because with faith comes an inheritance, an eternal inheritance. And Paul says, listen, your earthly reward is good but your eternal inheritance is that much better. Your eternal inheritance is that much more important. And so in the monotony of your work days, and the monotony of your work weeks, one thing that will help you get through is really remembering why you work. We are working. We need to remember this idea that the Lord is going to give us this earthly, this eternal inheritance And that really, at the end of the day, we are serving Jesus, not our earthly bosses. If our earthly reward ever becomes more important than our eternal reward, then we will fail to serve and worship God the way he wants us to. Think about that. When our earthly reward becomes more important than our eternal inheritance, it's going to cause us to, to fail to serve and worship God the way he wants us to. It's not about working for salvation. It's working because of our salvation. There's a huge difference there. And so if we're going to worship while we work, we need to remember that our eternal inheritance is far greater than our earthly reward. And so it matters to God. It matters to God where we work, where you are today, it matters to God. He has you there for a purpose. It matters to God how you work. He wants us to reflect him in such a way and be people of integrity, be people of sincerity, and be people of, can't, I'm drawing a blank here, integrity, sincerity, willingness. There it is. He wants us to work willingly. And then it matters why we work. What's that motivation in your heart? Who are you serving? You're serving Christ who has given you this amazing inheritance through faith. And so we get to go to work every single day to glorify him. That was another thing I loved about the camp I worked at. It was never I have to do this. Oh, I have to be a junior counselor. That's fourth and fifth grade. It was the worst, okay? That, hey, I'm not ready for that age group. And he said, no, 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 you don't have to do anything. You get to. It's like, okay, all right? But that stuck with me in my whole life. We don't have to. We get to do these things because of who God is. Now, I, I want to end our time today. <laughs> this guy, his name was Brother Lawrence. His real name was Nicholas Herman. And he was a soldier back in the day. He lived in the 1600s. And he was crippled. And then he worked another job. And then he sought life at a monastery in Paris. And he thought he was going to go to the monastery to suffer because of everything he did in his life. But really, he went to the monastery and he figured out that he, it was nothing but satisfaction. So he went expecting suffering. Oh, I got to give up everything I am to God so that I'm good. And then he said, no, I found satisfaction giving my life over to God, which is a beautiful picture, isn't it? Sometimes we think, oh, I got to serve, I, I have to serve Jesus. No, you get to serve Jesus, okay? 
And so that's why he figured out a lot of people would go to the monastery not to talk to the abbots, but to talk to Brother Lawrence. And here's uh, something interesting is that he worked in the kitchen. He wasn't an abbot. He wasn't a, the leader of the monastery. He worked in the kitchen. And it was in the kitchen where he figured out this idea, the prayer of the ordinary. And it's called The Practice of the Presence of God. And I'm just going to read it to you guys here. Brother Lawrence says this. He says, Lord of all pots and pans and things, since I've no time to be a great saint by doing lovely things or watching late with thee or dreaming in the dawnlight or storming heaven's gates, make me a saint by getting meals and washing up the plates. Warm all the kitchen with thy love and light it with thy peace. Forgive me of all my worrying and make my grumbling cease. Thou who didst love to give men food in room or by the sea, here's the best line, accept the service that I do. I do it unto thee. That last phrase is something you can take home today. And this can be your prayer every single morning, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, your prayer can be accept, God, accept the service that I do. Why? Because I want to do it unto thee. We need to worship while we work, and we do that by understanding that where we work, how we work, and why we work matters. And so how you respond in those moments is how you worship. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy today. We ask that you would work in our hearts as, as we go to our jobs, as, as we interact with those we are working with. God, that we would just reflect you in all that we do. That we would bring glory to you in all that we do. Help us to be people of integrity and, and sincerity. Help us to work willingly and embrace the fact that you are using us where you have us. We pray this in your name. Amen.